everyone's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll be reading verses 4 and 5 if you want to follow along. I'll give you your second printer, 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 4. The Word of God says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that you would grant us humility, that we would not place ourselves above your word. But each week as we come to hear it preached, we recognize that we place ourselves underneath its authority, and by your spirit you would grow us. Father, we do not seek your opposition in any sense, so I pray that you would uh, give grace to us as your spirit provides humility. As we hear your word preached this morning, Father, that we would not leave this place unchanged. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So this morning we continue, as you see there, with First Peter 5. And we're going to deal with verse 4 and 5, uh, a portion of verse 5, and then we'll deal with the second portion of 5 and 6 together next week as we consider the solution to many of our challenges. I want to note some of the challenges, and I'll do so next week, uh, I think, that's how I'm planning on introducing some of the challenges that come together with the, the church uh, of today, and, and then how we, uh, we consider the weight and hardship of those challenges, and then we see a clear statement within the text of a helpful solution to the challenges that the modern church faces with Peter's effort, with obedience to Peter's exhortation. It's important that we understand in handling a passage like 1 Peter 5, that together, not just as ministers, as the text deals with ministers, but that it's not just for uh, me to speak on behalf of our session, somehow of our importance or our adequacy, but rather it's simply a passage we need to speak carefully because the church society is to be a society of good order. And we read the new first Corinthians last couple of weeks, and um, I was struck, perhaps based on my time in first Peter, uh, of Paul's comment to the church at Corinth repeatedly, that he instructs them for these things for good order. Um, this morning we were talking in Sunday school about Proverbs and natural law, that, that much is a principle in life and application based on observable uh, order within nature. Within nature. As we were having that discussion in Sunday school, in my mind, I'm thinking, how much more so? If God sets ecosystems in nature and organizes them so that they will run with good order, how much more so for his organism to serve? That together, as, uh, as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, that when we come together, it is in good order that we find ourselves with, with, with appropriate elders and appropriate deacons and an organized feature whereby the church's mission, the proclamation of the gospel, is orderly and winsome and convincing and altogether resistant towards chaos. So it isn't simply either we focus on the gospel and the proclamation of Christ's victory over death, or we get bogged down talking about the church. It's a false concept. It's important that as we recognize, we have become new creations, new creatures in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And then as new creatures in the gospel, we then continue to live out the effect of that gospel in a counter society called the church. And that church comes together and is not a free for all. It's an equal system. Organized well. If you look at the text of Scripture, Christ has blessed us with order in order that we would be winsome. There was something that Paul, as I mentioned in reading 1 Corinthians about the, uh, of the spiritual gift in, in speaking in tongues and so on, and so forth, that you handled in chapters 11, 12, and 13. And, 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 it, and it's interesting as he ties true to order to evangelism. No, 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 the evangelism only works. You have to say this. You have to say that. This is exactly what we should be saying all the time. Interesting, Paul ties good order to evangelism. If they come in and see absolute chaos, what would they make of it? But those who join and attend, they see a church society that reflects the organization of their Creator and their Lord. So these passages are significant for the church, the church chapter, not just Redeemer, but the church chapter, that we would be the society that Christ intends for his gospel, for his mission, and the glory of God. This morning, then, in verse 4, you'll notice Peter concludes his direct exhortation that began in verse 1, I exhort who? The elders among you. And so here he is concluding his direct exhortation to the elders by encouraging them the entire session here of Redeemer, men, Paul, uh, examined, ordained, and set apart for serving this particular body here are encouraged of the surety of their reward as under shepherds in the church of Christ. This is something that you think of that simply for yourself, and I'll explain that in just a moment, but also thinking of raising young boys. And, and think of Paul here for young sons. Again, not that you force them into a call, but if you can, God calls. Um, and you don't want to manipulate uh, that you're calling them. But at minimum, you want them to see the reward of a noble call, of serving the church of Christ. To be men who could be elders in the church if God stood for a call. They haven't self elected out. God would call them, that would be a tremendous benefit and blessing to know that there are the men for the church who you want them to be. But it doesn't stop. We, as parents, are also to them that the love of a noble cause. And we call to that. But preparation, maybe attend to that, and show them there is rich reward in being an elder, a ruling elder within the church. Peter wishes that we would grasp that as he speaks of it in verse 4. Notice the surety of the elder's reward. Uh, when the chief shepherd appears, and, and I note for you how, how in the Christian life the motivation is a, a when, not an if. But solemnly we confess that Christ 
he's returning. And it's that sense of surety about that event, whether it be here, 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 or there, on the redemptive historical timeline, is largely immaterial. But we believe that it will occur. And when that is that occurs, certain things are sure to be effective. And so Peter says, like the elders of war, you, the elders that I'm exhorting, will receive the unfading crown of glory. Here is the encouragement to the elders. Again, if I could just one more moment to share with you, set this before your son. It's a beautiful thing to be motivated to see Christ appear. Faithful perseverance and action will result, Peter says, in a rich reward of the appearing of Christ. This should motivate men to faithful. The crown being described here is a familiar symbol to anyone who has read the New Testament. You know, Paul uses it. I'll cite that in just a moment. But Peter as well, because it's a familiar symbol in Greco Roman culture. The term translated here in verse 4 the chief shepherd appears, you will receive what? The unfading crown. The term translated crown is the same word for wreath. Which again, the original audience, it's the oxygen they breathe, they understand the rewarded wreath. But it was rewarded, for our sakes, I'll remind us, it was rewarded to those who won athletic competitions or even a soldier who displayed valor in his commitment. So Peter borrows from a common concept as he encourages us, so also our Lord will crown those of faithful perseverance. Speaking of such perseverance, and there are many challenges set for ministers, set for session members, those who agree to do, I would love to serve in the capacity of a leading elder of mine. I wish to stand in that spot and be responsible for the church's growth and maturity. I wish to be an ease. There are many besetting weaknesses and challenges and temptations that are burdensome to bear as an elder. So Paul, just like Peter, encourages us towards perseverance. In 1 Corinthians 9 24, Paul says, quote, Do you not know that in a race all runners compete? But only one receives. What should this do in each of us? Paul says, well, run that you may obtain. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. And then he puts into scale, uh, again, and, and many of us looking at the beginning of a new year soon. I don't wish to rush it, but it's coming. And then we'll consider different self-control and new habits of formation. So he's saying, sure, those are helpful. Just like every athlete exercises certain self-control in all things, but then put it in perspective, believer. They do it to receive a perishable in terms of Peter Greek. But we the Christian and in 
perseverance in the ministry is an extraordinary achievement. But it isn't an achievement unto the glory of the ministry. Ministers do well to notice when Jesus' mind truly motivated and motivated, right? To understand that perseverance in the ministry is indeed an extraordinary achievement. Wherever you're at on the evangelical Factor, I think some of the achievement is lent because it isn't unto the glory of the minister that he has achieved this extraordinary achievement. Rather, the minister himself understands his role and joy to be seeking the glory of Christ in his perseverance. Thus, the full experience of joy in verse 4 when a chief shepherd. Full experience of joy to dwell will be his opportunity to place his crown of achievement at the foot of Christ's throne. He will do so in grateful worship and adoration. Look over at a text, if you would, just for a moment. I want to build on it with you, so if you wouldn't mind, looking over to Revelation chapter 4. Uh, a wonderful passage here where you can, again, consider. Reward uh, and, and, and blessing, uh, crown or wreath, uh, as a motivating factor in the Christian experience, whether it be for an elder, as is particularly here in our text this morning, or more broadly, as we consider in a moment, in the life of every individual Christian. Again, each Christian will understand that the full experience of joy for indeed the elder's reward or for the Christian's reward, him or herself. The full experience of joy of reward is the opportunity to place said reward at the foot of Christ's throne in grateful worship and gratitude and adoration. Revelation 4, beginning in verse 8, is quite a, a, a beautiful but small yet picture of the glory of these moments. Verse 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, what a thought and, and, and something to meditate on. Day and night, they never cease to say, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to be. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you. Again, I note for you, he is the motivation to ascension. It is a great, rich reward. When the chief shepherd appears, it is a nourishing and enriching experience. He was proud with an unfading proud. Well, what will I do with it? I will cast it before his throne, saying, Worthy are you. of worship at such a moment as giving full credit, where full credit is due. Again, if you notice the, the, the statement of your worship is worthy, it's like the fact that I'm even here, what is your worthiness? I, I have an opportunity that has providentially given me and a richness Consider, again, the motivating factor of reward in the Christian experience. Matthew 5, 11 and 12, our Lord says this, Blessed are you, and again, he's speaking in terms of the entirety of the church. Blessed are you, Christian, the individual who has put their faith in Christ as its terminal point. There is but one. It is he. I'll take this empty vessel, and I'll entrust it into him for all of its fullness. And thereby, I am united to him in a saving relationship. And then he says to me, Blessed are you, Christian, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account. How can I be blessed? Whether it's here in First Peter that the chief shepherd appears and the elders, the members of the session, will receive the unfading crown of glory, or it's in each and every individual one of us as Christians united to Christ through the empty vessel of faith, we will all, each man to the last, cast our crowns, any sense of nourishing reward in worship. Continues, I do want to talk just for a few moments and address how Peter continues to describe good order in the church. 
by extending his exhortation to include the entirety of the congregation. So he's speaking, uh, as you see in verse 1, as we've been dealing with it piece by piece, so that we can grasp who is an elder, what is its qualification, how does the relation go. And as we're speaking of elders in good order, he then extends. So I exhort the elders, and now he extends his exhortation to include the entirety of the congregation. Notice in verse 5. Likewise, so he's done with the exhortation directly to elders. He pivots and turns to you, the congregation. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, we need to think on this just for a few moments. We won't take too long, but we need to meditate just for a moment on the contrast here. The idea that I'm presenting to you from this text is that the idea of being younger has less to do with age and more to do with office. Again, that is, uh, why would I draw that uh, distinction? And I, I offer up to you to, 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 to consider it, to, to, to lay it to conscience, to meditate upon it, and follow the argumentation. Uh, it, it, you will find that some say, in fact, I hate to admit it, goes the way of age. It's unfortunate to me. Each time I have to pivot away. Take time, I'm actually still on that team. Um, but but, but I, I do move from that to say that there is a way to consider. There's age considered here. It's between younger people and, and not having the right discipline and needing to be corrected and needing to be submissive in that correction. And, and it's fair. It's fair. But, but I think Based on context, I, I move on the other direction with the other line of thinking that this more so deals with office and congregate and elder than it does, strictly speaking, of age. How do I get there? That is, as we've been discussing elders in the church, those who were selected as such were those who held seniority in the faith.
think that when you were younger, uh, uh, whatever you are, and being an elder in a church, you know, being an elder is really cool, and being younger in age is just as qualifying. Well, think about one more piece, and this is a challenge we go through in life. Individuals are to be counted as apostles. 
when I was introduced this last Sunday, and that is unfortunately the fear of spiritual experience leads men in today's church to reject such a relationship. Of I think we can argue where the fear comes from, how it's motivated, but indeed there's a fear of spiritual coming up here and within the church. That then leads many within the church to reject the relationship of suggesting to their elders. Some fear that if we acknowledge the authority of church leadership, like, like let me just read the text to you again, I'll leave my conclusion and we'll be done. Likewise, you, non elders, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. The individuals that I've exhorted to the first four verses of this. Some fear that if we acknowledge the authority of church leaders, then we will be treated inevitably like this. The elders, if we can see such a relation, can simply order us to do anything they think they want. This will inevitably lead to the spiritual experience which Peter warns us. abuses exist, but we must, and this is my plea to you at Redeemer, and indeed in church more broadly, we must never abandon a biblical direction because of a few poor examples. I've seen too many dynamics that cause me to reject the call to be subject to the elders. You see, we cannot play those games. To abandon such a relationship is not only short-sighted and children to us. To think, I'm better off free-floating. I'm better off without elders. I'm better off in my God my time to attend and worship. Such a relation to the church is not only short-sighted by the pilgrim, but it's ultimately will prove without a doubt
my dorky elements among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. Men, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have it. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who are called, but being and here's the motivating factor. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elder. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would shed light in our next days ahead of what is the dynamic relation of how to raise the name elders? What does this look like? Thank you.